Yup Beer, made with all natural ingredients and only $1.85 a can. Available in over 200 locations across Ontario. Visit yupbeer.com to find a store near you. smells like another episode of the down by two podcast i'm your host josh elijah to my right as always mikey how you doing we're back again we're, we're back again baby we're we're also joined by our producer jesse mckay aka birdman oh. aka that good get- <laughs> what's up baby how you doing <laughs> What's going on, fellas? <laughs> oh, you know, honestly, it's it's Wednesday, um, September the seventeenth, or uh, Kenny don't even know a fucking September. Month. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> November. Wait, what? Wait. <laughs> yeah, had a big birthday weekend. Give this guy about a week to recover, and we'll get the month straight. Yo, I, I finally had enough water from uh, from the weekend, and uh, man, what what a what a treat! Yeah. What a treat! Finally, starting to feel myself. Uh, fun little birthday bash. I guess uh, we got to go. Got to go to my first London Knights game. Yeah, was uh, it? What a treat, eh? With all the fans in the stands, dude. Beautiful. It was. It was so much fun, man. Bird, you got to come down. It. It's just. It's just a treat, not only to be able to have that down the road for me, but just also just watch some real competitive hockey and some kids that are gonna go somewhere. Yeah, that's the way you got to look at it. Like, I know it's not professional hockey, but you're looking at the best of the best in the junior class watching the Knights. The Knights, the Knights pumped out some amazing players over the years. They sure have. Yeah. Yo, I was going to say, like, most players want to go play there, right? Because yeah, the yeah. arena is freaking yeah. sick and the organization's yeah. sick. It really just gives them a taste of you're like, yo, this is what this is what right. it's gonna be like. Like a lot of obviously there's the OHL draft, but I think there's I think how it works is a lot of kids will go play like in the US uh, developmental program or go play elsewhere and then it's almost bypassed the draft and then for their last year of junior eligibility, usually London's first on their list, so we'll get a couple studs that add they can add for a year or two and they go and win the Memorial Cup every year. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely, definitely exciting. Um, even I was surprised I found them on the spread too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> found them on Boat Dog, took them at oh minus one God. and a half, <laughs> yeah. even though it was an option. What oh, was the payout good. on that? It, it was honestly plus 160. So I, I, I only risked like, 15 buck like <laughs> i wasn't going in hard for my first for my first london knights game um but the payout was 20 buck so i mean hey well there you go that's two beer that's your two positive beer. positive cash right now yeah 
that's it. Um, but it, that's how the weekend started. And then come Sunday when you're really feeling it and you dump your entire bank account into uh, into your Sunday picks ooh, and, ooh. You ha- and you go like one one for five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Vegas has been filling their pockets the last two weeks oh, on NFL. Man. Underdogs just, have been crunching people. Yeah, it's been uh, it was it was a tough weekend. You know, I just had to come back down to earth because I was having a few good Sundays and then uh, um, had to come back down to earth. But man. Lots going on in the league. Um, things are like topsy turvy. We don't know whether the Chiefs are for real or not. You know, the Bills. The, sometimes they feel like you know playing against like the Jets, and then other times they get their asses kicked by by the Jags. So it's like, like what is what is up? What is down? The AFC seems to be all over the place. NFC as well is just like you never know who's real or who's fake. You know, it's the dog days starting right. Mm-hmm. Shorter days, and you're getting all these stud teams that they come out. They're six seven and one and they have an off week and all of a sudden they get pummeled yeah i i don't get it like the rams like the rams for example they're just like yo all in over the last two weeks and they're like boom pushing all the chips in getting von miller getting freaking obj getting odell beckham jr and things are just like man we're new look rams and they've just got their the the shit kicked out of them the last two weeks you know i was listening to uh mad dog sports radio that's my go-to one i always uh shout them out when you're not listening Chris to Rousseau. when you're not listening to damn by two. Oh, standard, standard. <laughs> uh you know what not to get all breaking down team by team but fucking the rams they're they're unreal like their offense can hum but they're soft. Like, they just got mulched up the last two weeks. Like, out-physicaled, patty-caked, soft as butter. A lot of people are calling for Raheem Morris to be to be gone. But, like, it's too late in the season now to get rid of your defensive coordinator. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, after you have a good five, six, seven weeks to start the year, you got to hope you can make some adjustments. But yeah, so soft. That's one that's one knock against the Rams is that they haven't been able to make any mid-game adjustments and whatnot. And then so like once it's once it's off to a bad start, it's just downhill from there. Um, they made they made San Fran, who's looked pitiful. They made him look like a Super Bowl contender this weekend. Oh. Like they ran right down their throats. And you know, it's just it's not even the fact that they couldn't even they just couldn't score any points either. There was like several three and outs, and it was a funny stat that I watched that some someone who uh, I, I, I saw in a group was saying that Detroit Lions and Jared Goff managed to score thirty three against that same San Fran team. So like something's up mentally. Like they were just dropping balls. Um, but yo, speaking of your oh, Lions, <laughs> big week got the lid on. Got our first uh, n- non loss. Yeah, yeah. So th- so at least they're not going to go uh, Owen Owen sixteen or Owen is it Owen seventeen now? Yeah, it'll be Owen seventeen now. The 016. Has they that ever been top. done before? Oh, yeah. Oh, Lions. Yeah, sure. yeah. Five <laughs> oh, or six oh. years ago. <laughs> I don't yo, know. Before that, there may have been a team. At or least two you get him. to go 0, 016 and 1. You get a little hit a little tie in there. That's yo, amazing. Five, uh, give me 15 seconds. They're fucking so bad. I fucking hate them. <laughs> don't even know why I have this toque on. It's because the only toque I have. You know what the only other sports toque I have? A Steeler toque. Mm, but yeah. they're, they're so pathetic. I didn't even stick around to watch overtime because I, I didn't want to watch them potentially win that game here's the thing is that when you listen to everyone else just like with their hot takes uh going into every week there's always just there's always someone new who is like these guys are taking the super bowl this this year like it's like if it isn't the dallas cowboys it's the arizona cardinals if it's not the arizona cardinals it's the new england patriots it's every week it fucking changes a couple weeks ago was the rams and i'm like fuck yeah let's go oh it's it's, so funny eh? (laughs) no one no one will be able to actually pick right until the super bowl so it's 
it's, it's I it's funny. I had that moment this week too, laughing to myself because each week I've I listened to all the sports talk radios and I I check in oh, on yeah. on ESPN and it's just hilarious how hard they sell these teams on a week to week basis and mm-hmm. then the world's like crumbling the next week. It's hilarious. You don't know. You just don't know. Things move on quickly. Yeah, no kidding. Um, speaking of uh, sports talk radio, um, our guest that we had on on uh, this episode of Down by Two was an absolute gem. He is actually the radio play by play commentator for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you can catch him on Sportsnet as well on the Fan Five Ninety. But Eric Smith was on the show uh, for this episode. And man, I gotta say, like, I love all like. All the guests that we have on our show are fucking fantastic, and there's just always such a treat to have some of these guys on. But this has got to be one of my favorite interviews, just to sit and take in everything that this guy had to say. Couldn't agree more. And I'm probably the farthest down the totem pole as far as basketball stuff goes, and this guy had me intrigued from the moment he started talking. like, And his story, too. Unreal. Like, just did it the hard way and grinded and no handouts and a little bit of luck. He's uh, he's in a great spot there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just like just riveting, even from like the story, like just even starting out in his his story as to getting into broadcasting, too. And, and all the all the memories and, and things that he had to share about like his entire professional career and how he just worked his way up into what he is. It was a absolute treat to have Eric Smith on the show. Um, man, I just. I gotta say, man, I just love talking ball. <laughs> I Yo, love talking ball. Tell me I'm wrong, boys. I was, I felt like I understood that team on a whole new level after talking with him for about 45 minutes. Eh? Just yeah, the mm-hmm. insights nope. and the feels of each player, like it was, it was. Sick. I appreciate the optimism too. He had something oh, yeah. good to say about every angle of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. Yep. With with still being real at the same time. He's just like, yeah, there's yeah. still gaping holes and stuff that need to be filled. Um there's a lot of a lot of growth that this team needs, but he's real about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sees the vision for sure. It made a lot of sense. Oh yeah. No kidding. Uh yo, just just speaking of like his insights and stuff and speaking of uh, our insights, uh there's a lot going on in the NBA uh, this year. There's uh, teams are off to a good start, and teams are uh, also just uh, surprisingly horrible right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is just bad. Yeah. Is there a team from uh, each conference that you would you could pinpoint as like a holy shit? I was not expecting that. So if you guys recall when we when we did our episode back with uh i know where this is going do you what is it what is it gonna be are you gonna talk about the bulls or what you know what no because that (laughs) i'm not gonna talk about the bulls because i because i fuck it but i called that i obviously called that and you did you did come back and say you're like nah man they're just they're just a bunch of names are not gonna be good on paper as honestly i i'm not gonna talk about them because they're a little bit more obvious i'm talking about the washington wizards that is that is my surprise like i'm just like hey i want to see them do well i would like to see them do well i feel like they have some pretty good pieces because man that trade to get rid of westbrook and bring back not only oh, like man. kcp kuzma and Montrez harrell that's a huge haul plus you bring in spencer dinwiddie and you got bradley beal uh, obviously running the helm there and then like a pretty decent enough bench it looks like a oh, genius trade done. now 100 yeah. percent. you flip john wall for that like that yeah <laughs> And and you unloaded that bullshit, those bullshit contracts both those guys held. That's nice. Now you and got the Westbrook Harrell. contract. Those, yeah. yeah, it's like the two yeah. biggest contracts for like not worth it. 
you know. Dude, you yeah. got Montrez you Harrell at the free throw it. line, and he's getting MVP chance. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. He looks like uh, like Clippers Montrez again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he kind of fell off a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. Kind of looked lost, you know, like... Is that just the now Lakers, he's just though? leading? Yeah, I don't know. Is that the Lakers uh, where it's just like, like if it, if you if you're not like, if you're not cut for it, then uh, it just sucks your soul. Hello, sorry boys. <laughs> That's how I feel with the Lakers. Jesus, <laughs> fuck. Oh my god, what's going on with them, dude? They're fucking brutal. They're doo doo. They're so doo doo. Yeah. Well, let's go back to those uh those Bulls though. They're a treat. Yeah, they're they're a treat, eh? Uh, you got Demar Derozan. Uh, I'm so happy like a for Demar, most valuable player. Yeah. Like, oh. Like I mean, right now he's like fifth in that ranking. I uh, on first off, first I hate I hate MVP talk right now. Like yeah, MVP talk this early. That's hot in the, take shit. In the season is just so Bleacher Reports uh, top five wow. MVP candidates. And it's like who gives <laughs> There's an fuck? official ladder, eh? I know there is, and it's stupid. it's like, yeah, it's so early, dude. <sighs> so yeah, that that would be my um, that would be my surprise out of the East. I mean, the Bulls. I told you, man. I told you they they look good. I mean, why not have two dynamic wings like Levine and DeRozan? Lonzo Ball, finally, like man, he has improved his shot. He's shooting forty four percent from three point. Like you just see his gradual progression over the years. Vucevic, which is a certified stud. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just all okay. Around. Well, I, my concern was like you're just you're throwing together a bunch of like mid tier stars. You know what I mean? Like, no one's really a standout uh, guy that's going to take you all the way. Yeah, but and who does that remind you? You, of? you can't expect that to work immediately, right? But mm-hmm. the surprising thing is it has. Hundred percent. Who does that remind you of? Mm. Mm. Uh, Miami-ish, the, not really. I was gonna say the Raptors. Yes, sure, man. sure. Yeah, it's the Raptors. I mean, like aside from Kawhi, but like you can't even fully look at Kawhi as a certified star going into that season because he had so much to prove. Okay, is that is that wrong by saying that? Obviously, he, he is top five in the NBA. Um, so we got we got a stud, but a lot of people were doubting him even going into that season. Like, is he going to stay healthy? Is he even going to show up? Is he going to be that same Kawhi from before? And obviously, he showed up and he was. But everyone else on that Raptors team, you're talking about mid tier stars, mid tier all stars. Like you look at the Lowry and you look at the, and Pascal Siakam coming out in that in that season. It's they really play just team ball. It seems like, but. At the same time, you got DeRozan playing out of his mind. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to think they're going to come back to earth a little bit too. Like DeRozan's efficiency is averaging like 28 points a game, probably shooting over 50%. Lonzo looks like an all-star. I mean, I just don't know if they can keep that up. But, I mean, trending, outperforming everything I expected for sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And I, I just think Billy Donovan's a, a hell of a coach, so I, he knows what he's doing. He's been able to bring some shabby OKC teams to the playoffs. So True. it's I I, I have not I have nothing but faith in the Bulls, and I I think that they they're going to be somewhere around the top, if not the top, going into the playoffs. But we'll see what kind of steam because it's a long season, and you got to stay healthy as well. So um, it also like I feel like when you put you put guys together that have been like counted out constantly. Or mm-hmm. on the flip side, just been on like consistent losing teams. Yeah, like yeah, like when you get to a certain age, you're just like, screw it, I'll do anything to win. You know, you put put aside your little uh, 
you you don't put yourself first anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little easier to throw together guys that are a little bit older, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. rather than like a bunch of young dudes. 100%. Like, and that like well, trying to like think of said, a good comparison, but yeah, like, like Levine and Vucevic, like you said, have they've accomplished themselves. They've made some money like. Mm-hmm. obviously the veins up for a big big contract but long story short is those guys are vets and all they've done is lose their entire career oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and DeRozan Lonzo, too, yeah derosen honestly. for sure derosen yeah derosen's probably accomplished more than anything on, on on that team aside the only chip that they have i correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like ac fresh alex caruso so it's <laughs> like that's that's the only winning mentality that you've had coming out of the team and he's humble as all hell so i uh i, I think they got a great squad it's and they're they're fun to watch so um good for basketball definitely too. gonna be cheering for derosen as well i'd love to see him get a chip oh, i just want to yeah. see them be able to go deep in the playoffs and because they're just an exciting team mm-hmm. um Western wise, oh uh, man, I, I mean, we touched on the Lakers already, but is there is there someone else that you're thinking of? Golden State looks fucking nice. It's, it's nice man. to see, eh? I love it. It is real nice to see, and it's it's just Steph Curry is. I think especially after their their blowout win against the Nets yesterday, has kind of solidified himself as the best player in the league mm-hmm. right now. He, yeah. He's fucking playing 100%. like it. Like you, you have to give it to him. I mean, Durant's playing great too, but poor, poor Durant. Like he's just, he's just, just dragging this team along. He just has to do everything on his own. Harden can't even score twenty points without going to the free throw line. So it's, it's just man. Like oh, I love you could have had it so good if you I stayed in it. Golden State. You know, you just had to go. Kyrie fooled you. He fooled you. I don't know, man. I feel like his time there was kind of over anyways. Yeah. yeah, fair. I mean, hey, he wants to create his own legacy. That's fine. But, I mean, <laughs> sure. But, but it's interesting because they didn't they didn't really change the team that much. And no, last year no. they were just fighting for a, a playing yeah. spot. You mean you mean uh, Golden State? Golden State, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, I mean, they've they've drafted well. They got some really they got a good bench mob going on. Gary Payton the second. Oh man, he's just like his. He's just like the uh, his, his dad, the glove. I think they call him the mitten. Like, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, but you have people like like Jordan Poole, who was kind of like you kind of could see him on the brink of having a pretty big breakout season. Andrew Wiggins, man, he's balling out too. Next thing you know, Clay's coming back by the end of the year, and and things are mm. things are looking. And, and they closed well last year, right? They started off slow, and they, then they, that is true. and they were battling late. Yeah. So I think they had a little bit more momentum another year with with Wiseman down low. I don't know. And I'm wondering if uh, Curry was just kind of getting back into the flow of things last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. After having some injuries. So, um, yeah, man, it is really nice to see them uh, playing well. Um, other than that, I mean, Clippers, I mean, like Paul George is playing out of his mind and they like they can put together some good That's basketball. That's surprising. They've got a pretty it good is. defense too, right? It is. I mean, like let's they'll they'll be they'll be in the playoffs. Um, I the man teams I just want to see like I want to see some some fresh blood in there. Like I want to see the Kings just pull it together. Like I just want to oh. see these guys just fire Luke Walton, get someone new in there. Like there's just they they can't figure out their center position. Like it's just all over the place. I don't know. I think they'll have the record for miss postseasons if they miss again this year i was gonna say it's a tough operation going on over there mm-hmm. i mean like yeah if like i would like to see minnesota get their shit together too like it looks like oh. they like man Anthony they look Edwards. horrible too 
And they they look so bad. And it's like Carl Anthony Towns coming into this season being like, yo, I'm refreshed. I'm feeling great. I just, you know, I feel like I found a new love for basketball. And it's like, yeah, but in Minnesota, like, <laughs> you're, you're going to find yeah. it there again. Like, I don't know, man. It, it looks it looks tough. Um, but yeah, it, the Western Conference is always very, very hard. You, you see teams like Portland that end up struggling. Like it's, it's a long season. It's going to be a long season. I had a couple of interesting questions for you. Um, Let's go. Yeah, just a couple here. Yeah. Uh, what's We kind of already touched on a, a couple of these points, but uh, what's what's more surprising, the Wizards being the number one seed or the Bucks being in the bottom five? It's got to be the Wizards, but both would not see that out of the Bucks. I got, I got the impression from... Uh, from Giannis that he wants he wants more, right? I thought they were gonna come back just as hungry and there wasn't gonna be any hangover. <laughs> I thought you were yeah. gonna say he wants out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember didn't he have an exit interview last year and he's just like I don't play this game for to win a championship and he just Yeah. No, he's definitely mm-hmm. gonna want more. Yeah. I mean you gotta look at their injuries like like Chris Middleton's just coming back um off of off of a few weeks off of covid um you have brooke lopez who's been injured bobby portis just started playing drew holiday was out for a bit like literally yeah. everyone but Giannis has been fucking playing so, That's I, so I, true. I, that doesn't surprise me as much and you know what they're one of those teams that will pick up speed midway throughout the season because they understand oh, yeah. it's 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 a long endurance race so it's a long you just season. gotta get there to, right yeah exactly the and wizards the Wizards, I, I am surprised. I thought they would be. I thought they would be a little bit. Uh, they, I thought they'd be up there. I thought they would improve, but man, they're 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 coming right out of the gates firing. So I'm I'm and I'm loving it. I love seeing that. I love seeing Bradley Beal just throw up the W at at the end of the game. He just he loves his dubs. So um, yeah, it's man, nice no, to it's see them succeed great. after he stayed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To reward yeah. a loyal player like that, it's, it's nice to see. A, yeah, that sort of just reminds me of the same position that um, Damian Lillard is in, in in Portland. And I, God, I really hope that it works out for him. I really do that he stays in Portland and he can actually accomplish something. Like, he's gotten to the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals before, hasn't he? And, like, yeah. so he, he's, he's been close, but I would like, I would like to see him be able to accomplish something. Um, mm-hmm. The same sort of way that uh, Bradley Beal might this year. I don't know. I mean, they... If they can get back to the second round, great. I think that's been their ceiling within the past decade or so. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it'll be it'll be exciting to see them play out. Surprise! A pleasant surprise. <laughs> surprise! Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> so, what's more surprising, Demar Derozan being one of the league leaders in scoring, or James Harden averaging under twenty points per game? I gotta say, James Harden. Yeah, especially with no Kyrie there. Demar right. DeRozan, Demar DeRozan looks like his, um, looks like you know when he was with Toronto and he would be like starting on the on the Eastern Conference All Star team. Um, James Harden is just getting fucked over with with the refs and it's just the no calls going down. Um, I love seeing it. I think it's hilarious. Um, but these players just can't bait people into into these shitty fouls anymore. You can't go to the free throw mm-hmm. 20, 20 times in a game. So um, I just didn't know it was going to be that harsh. And oh. it doesn't look like they're going to let up. It looks brutal. Trey Young looks like he's going through the same shit too. Well, you see everyone scoring is down this year. Mm-hmm. Except for DeMar. Well, it's, it's the ball, right? 
It's <laughs> yeah. It's switched over to Willie. Um, yeah. To the Willies. Yeah. I, I don't. Man, if any player that says it's the Wilsons as opposed to the Spalding, like it's just not. You blame their shot on that. Uh, that is ridiculous. Um, it's got to be the refs. It's just the refs are just not calling as much, and it's more of a physical game. Um, so mm-hmm. any any players that relied on free throws as much as they did, like. I, like James Harden. I think that's why DeMar DeRozan is excelling so much because he is such a physical player and he plays most of his game at the rim and he's a slasher, mm-hmm. mid-range shooter and and you know he knows how to bait people into fouls, but he takes so much contact. Think of all the times that he would drive when he was with the Raptors and he would just get pounded in the paint. Like he would just get destroyed, still convert the still convert the bucket and then not get a call. Like he's had years of doing that already, so mm-hmm. I feel like now he's just uh, he's excelling a bit more and uh, just new place, new new face. You know, it's a uh, new face of the Chicago Bulls. I, yeah, again, every Raps fan must be so happy for him. Too. Yeah, man. Because I mean, he, it was so happy you get Kawhi and you win a chip, but you had to love Demar and you felt for him, right? To see him lighten it up right now. Yeah. It's, it feels good. Just imagine he builds a dynasty with the Bulls and gets like several rings. Oh, man. I'd love <laughs> to be amazing. see it. <laughs> That's exactly no, what I'm saying. There I'll you buy go. a tarp for sure. I'm in on that. i buy a tarp. Oh, easily. Uh, from Asia for fucking 40 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the feesies. No supreme tarp like bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Any All right, sub- I got one, I got one more. It's just a little silly one. Let's let's, uh, get, let's hear the silly surprise. You feel I'm feeling silly. No. Uh, okay, what's more surprising, Gary Trent Jr. leading the league in steals or Jonas Valanciunas leading the league in three point percentage? <laughs> that is those are fun <laughs> facts for the boys. That <laughs> is fun facts um, for everyone listening. Yeah, <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas with the three point percentage has to be. I mean, like Gary Gary Payton comes from that you know lockdown like lockdown defense blooded Gary system, Trent, right? Not Gary Payton. Oh, he's a Gary Trent. Yes. Oh, yes. Back on the gloves. Sorry, my bad. I wasn't I was just still hung up on the JV. Mm-hmm. Um, Yo, yo, that has got to be one of the, uh, you know what, that's got to be one of the nicest surprises of uh, of this season is just watching uh, Gary Trent Jr. flourish as a as a defender. Like, he is locked down deep. Like, man, he is good. He looks fantastic, man. He is really good. And, then, and like, you look that, at that contract and you're like, ooh, that's a bit of a steal, man. Yeah, yeah man. All of a sudden, that looks real nice. You know, I and hey, I like that trade when, when we did that and I... I I didn't. I like the contract as well. I like that move all around because, like, the hats off the norm. Fantastic, helped us get to that chip. And like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to miss him. Um, I just think he fits perfectly over in in Portland, and he like. I just don't really know if I think he's hit a ceiling. I don't think there's much more to Norm than what we've already seen. And he's an okay defender. Yeah, he's an okay defender. But Gary Trent yeah. Jr. My gosh, like he is, he is nice. Like he is a lockdown help defender as well like man he's always just poking the ball like man i did not know he was leading the league in steals that's 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 fun to know it's a good stat it's a nice stat it's to interesting have. yeah man yeah, very nice um and jv what the fuck is he doing <laughs> shooting all those threes <laughs> <laughs> i don't think doing? there's a lot of attempts i was just about like, to say how many like shots, how many Steph attempts Curry? is he averaging yeah <laughs> i think he's got like 27 attempts total but still you're putting them man, up probably he's because more than half of them Man, the coach is not paying attention because it's New Orleans like that. Yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody's running that that team right now. Like, oh man, that team is—he's the star. They need to get out of there. 
Oh, man. Yeah. Zion needs to get out of there. Oh, Jeez. big time. Yeah, the, they just need to they need to bring that up to Seattle. They don't, <laughs> New Orleans doesn't There's need to There's an idea. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah. Lots going on in the NBA. Um, uh, we have, uh, ooh, oh. just, man, was it that, that potato and leak? Easily. It's the leak. <laughs> the potato leak. <laughs> oh, he's leaking all right. <laughs> <laughs> ooh. Oh, man. Um, yeah, lots, lots going on in the NBA right now, but, um, man, it was, uh, again, such a treat to have Eric Smith, uh, from Sportsnet and, and Raptors radio, uh, on our show. Uh, so again, this is, this is episode 17 of the down by two podcast featuring Eric Smith. Enjoy. saying it again another special guest but uh man we've had some uh just amazing guests that have stopped by on this show and today is no different we have toronto raptors radio play-by-play sideline reporter sportsnet eric smith on the show with us eric my man how you doing thanks for coming on the show hey guys uh, thanks for having me hope you guys are good yeah so likewise as well i, I just want to start off by saying or asking i guess uh, how sweet is it right now to have the boys back home <laughs> It's been a long time coming, uh, no doubt about that. I mean, it's 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 been weird, uh, and, and obviously in a good way, this last uh, week finally getting a chance to see the uh, the, the team in person because, you know, it's been over a year and a half. You think back to, you know, when it all kind of uh, came to a crashing halt in, in March of 2020, I flew back with the team from Utah and mm-hmm. hadn't seen the team since because... Uh, you know, when the, when the NBA finally restarted in the, in the, uh, the bubble in sort of mid to late summer in 2020. And then, of course, began last season and stayed last season down in Tampa the entire year. Mm-hmm. And we broadcasted remotely for the entire season. So the first time I had a chance to see a game in person was finally in the preseason, just uh, about, uh, what, three weeks ago when the team was finally back here for training camp and preseason. And now to be in the arena with 20,000 people, I mean, even that's a bit of a culture shock just to right, yeah. kind of be around that many people again, but it's certainly great to, to be there in person and to see it. And it's been, uh, like I say, a long time coming. Absolutely, man. Well, I mean, like you're no stranger to it and, you know, just be doing a little bit of research before we uh, had the chance to jump on with you today. You've been in the game for over 20 years now, which is which is incredible because I I, I think back to, you know, when I first started watching the Raptors and, and you know, just uh, growing up listening to Jack Armstrong and Chuck Swirsky and and so on and so forth. But like, man, just uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about your story, about how you uh, came to be uh, to where you are today and your kind of journey in broadcast. Yeah, I mean, I was a, I was a journalism grad from Humber College and was lucky enough to actually have in my in my final semester at the college a, an internship at the, at the Fan Five Ninety, 
uh, and, and started incredible. as an intern there and, and started as a part-time guy working some, you know, evening shifts and weekends and editing tape and going on coffee runs and just doing anything that was needed and, and anything, anything to kind of help out around the station. And mm-hmm. I was kind of, and I, I've said this a, a bunch of times over the years, uh, right place, right time, a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill, a little bit of everything kind of dashed into one, uh, right as I was starting at the, at the fan kind of in the first six months or so. Uh, for, for any of the sort of history media buff, you know, media history type folks out there, yeah. uh, the score started up, but uh, of course the score was originally known as headline sports. So headline mm-hmm. sports starts and they need people from the sports industry. They need reporters and anchors and producers and technical engineers and board ops and you name it, all of the various positions they need to Absolutely. hire. So they of course go around to the various media outlets in the city trying to hire people away, especially from sports affiliates, whether it be TSN, Sportsnet, the fan. And mm-hmm. the fan lost a number of people, um, not the least of which was Elliot Friedman at the time who was at the fan and went to headline gotcha. sports. And the trickle down effect then was you got to start plugging holes. Oh, we lost this reporter. We lost that producer. We lost this engineer, et cetera. And you start plugging in the holes. Well, then the trickle down effect is. The dude that's like six months out of school, that's an intern, suddenly becomes a full timer and less than a year out of school is a full time producer. Now, I I started behind the scenes and was working with Gordy Stellick and and, you know, booking guests for his show, uh, but Mm -hmm. then started getting a little bit of a taste of doing some on air shifts from time to time on weekends or being sent out as sort of an extra reporter on assignment to various uh, events or games or press conferences and things like that. And the, the progression happened, fair, happened fairly quickly because of, again, those, those sort of doors opening because of people moving on or leaving. And then in the midst of all of this happening in my first year at the radio station, the Fan 590 acquired the rights to the Toronto Raptors broadcast. The first three years ah. of the Raptors' existence, they were on CFRB 1010. And the Fan acquired the rights going into year four. That's when Chuck Swirsky and Jack Armstrong were hired and brought to Canada, brought to Toronto to call the games. And uh, I was a basketball guy. I was a hoop head. My boss knew that. I loved the game. I, was, I mean, I like hockey. I like baseball, I like football. But there was this passion that I always had from, from childhood for basketball. And the bosses knew that. And I was the one guy in the office that was always talking about the NBA uh, more than the NHL. And I was, trust me, a lone wolf in that sense. Yeah. So I <laughs> no was given an opportunity uh, at a young age to all right, why don't you go down to some practices? Why don't you go down and, and, and job shadow? Why don't you kind of kind of learn the ropes a little bit? And in that first season of the Raptors, I was still producing Gord's show in the afternoon. Right. But for all of the home games, I would go down and I was essentially working alongside Barry Davis, who was the primary Raptors reporter for that first season. Okay. And at the end of that first year, and I don't mean this, like Barry's still a friend and and, and I always make sure I'm clear when I say this. I don't mean this in any way, um, um, uh disparagingly or otherwise but barry at the time acknowledged he didn't know a ton about basketball but he was learning the ropes i was still a young dude in broadcasting and trying to find my way into you know the on-air realm and not just producing behind the scenes so it was sort of like we were this tag team for that first season where you know i i hopefully taught barry a little bit about the game and he taught me about the ropes of broadcasting and reporting and, and just kind of that type of thing and at the end of that season the bosses kind of said, we like this sort of shared role, but we want Eric to take a little bit more of, of you know, more of an on-air presence. And, and maybe there'll be a little bit more sharing of that that role. And I think Barry was absolutely comfortable with that. And we, again, we got along really well and we still do to this day. But another opportunity opened up for Barry 
uh, at, at a, um, again, this is more media history here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the team, the, the team was a sports station that tried to start up by, by Chum years ago. We're talking 20 plus years ago. And yeah. it ultimately, unfortunately, didn't work out. They only lasted a year, year and a half, I think, before uh, the station kind of went by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But Barry's departure opened the door for me to take the reins uh, on a full-time basis in that uh, in that you know, that fifth year of the Raptors and the second year with Chuck and Jack. So I kind of shared the load for the first season. But by year two of the broadcast on the fan, I was the full-time host of the pre-half and post-game show. And I was 25 years old. And that's incredible. incredible. That's incredible. It was, it was crazy. It was, yeah. and again, I acknowledge luck uh, combined with circumstance, combined with, like, listen, if I had graduated from college a year or two earlier or a year or two later, it was like this fresh team, this new team that, that was, you know, kind of still fairly new on the scene, new to the station, not a lot of folks covering basketball. Back then, guys, it seems crazy to think now about, a team a few years removed from a championship and how passionate and rabid the fan base is and, and how uh, diverse and eclectic the, the, the coverage is, let alone the fan bases and everything else. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you back then, there were a ton of people. In fact, the majority of people from executives to fans to advertisers and whatnot, this is a flash in the pan. This isn't going to last. Nobody cares about basketball. This is a fringe sport. This is a fringe team. It won't stick. This is a hockey town. This is a leaf town. All of those narratives wow. that I can spell wow. out to you. That's the way it was. And I think that's a major reason why I was afforded this opportunity again at such a young age, because it was sort of like, well, you know, go do your thing. It's okay. We'll focus on the stuff we really care about. And that's hockey or that's baseball or that's whatever. And, uh, and I'm sitting here, you know, 25 years later, fully acknowledging the, the, the luck uh, that played into a lot of this in terms of, like I say, that that moment in time and, and whatnot, because I don't think that and I don't say this arrogantly at all. I don't think there's probably too many people in today's day and age that would be, you know, afforded that opportunity uh, at that young age to have, you know, such a, a, an important role. And then to be able to learn under the wing of Chuck and Jack for seven years and to work alongside them and doing the pre and post and 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 learning the ropes of broadcasting and being able to to have learned from Elliot Friedman and working with George Strombolopoulos and Bob McCowan and so many other greats, it just yeah, sort of you know helped hone my skills and, and develop me as a broadcaster. And then when Chuck and Jack moved to television uh, seven years in, they went from radio to TV. That opened the door for myself and Jonesy then, Paul Jones, to, oh, to yeah. take over the radio broadcast. And, and then him and I have been together now for, uh, I don't even know now, I think this is our... 15th 15th or 16th season Man, together now time so, flies yeah. yeah it's 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 been a wild ride you know and i hope it keeps going <laughs> oh for sure absolutely i mean like you talk about jack armstrong who we've had on the show um yeah. paul jones who we hope to have on the show but i, I really want to talk about chuck swirsky because you shared a very special moment with mm-hmm. him on uh, on monday um i i was checking your instagram and uh, you shared a post about how you actually uh, got to cover the game with them yeah, that, that, that was kind of a, a fluky thing that happened. Chuck actually called me uh, last week or a week and a half ago, and he was mentioning that Bill Wennington, who's his regular broadcast partner, and of course your, your, your audience will know Bill Wennington, the former NBA champ and you know the Canadian uh, longtime yeah. NBAer. Uh, he, he just, uh, he, he's got some sort of a, a, a medical issue right now where he can't travel uh, just for the, a very short time. I think it's something that'll be cleared up shortly and he'll be mm-hmm. able to get back on the plane and travel around with Chuck and call all of the games. But as it turned out, he was unable to make it up to Toronto. 
So Chuck asked, is there anybody that you could recommend that could do the broadcast with me on, on Monday? And I, I, I said, well, give me a minute. I'll come up with a few names for you and I'll call you back. And I hung up the phone and I was looking at the Raptors schedule and I didn't even realize. And I, yeah, well, I was like, hold on a second. Because of the, you know, I, I think you guys are probably aware that the whole TSN and Sportsnet and, and the fan and TSN radio, the broadcast split between Bell and Rogers. Uh, as a Rogers employee, I can't appear on any of the TSN games. So that's why we have the division where, um, I, again, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm only on the Sportsnet games or the Fan 590 games and not on anything TSN. So as it turned out, Monday night was TSN radio. Well, I wasn't going to be working. So I called Chuck back and I said, listen, you know, you've known me a long time. Uh, we're friends. I get it. I gave him all the prefaces. And I said, if you prefer to have a former player, a former coach, somebody a little more high profile or whatever in that analyst position, I get it. No problem. I understand. No, no, no offense. He's like, what are you saying? I said, I'm available if you want me. Like I, I can do it. <laughs> and he's like, done, let's do it. I, I would love it. It'll be like everything coming full circle 20 plus years later, working back with you. He's like, I love it. Let's get it done. So he called his boss at the bulls. And then the, the, the woman that kind of heads up the broadcasting for the Chicago bulls contacted MLSE who contacted Sportsnet, and everybody signed off on it and gave their approval. So I was able to, to do the color analysis alongside Chuck on Monday and, and, you know, work the broadcast with him for one night only, but it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to, nice. you know, as I wrote in that post on Instagram, I mean, he's, he is a friend. He's been a friend for 20 plus years, but certainly, uh, one of the many mentors. I mean, I just threw out some names to you a moment ago, but Chuck mm -hmm. is definitely on that list as well in terms of mentors that I've been able to learn from and to be able to work alongside him now and to, to do that broadcast. And just even for me as a, again, a basketball fan to know that, like as, as proud as I am to work for the Raptors and to have called a championship and all that, it's right. pretty cool to be able to say too, that you called a game for the Chicago bulls and you were, you know, in the Chicago market, if, if, you know, one night only, but you know, to call for the legendary bulls and that historic franchise, it was just a, you know, very, very cool experience. No, that's absolutely special. And you know what, like, especially Chuck is someone that, you know, I grew up uh, listening and watching. And, um, and so at the, for, for me, that, that, that's, that's, that's pretty cool to, to see you be able to do that. That's um, got to be one of your, one of your highlights of your career, I'd say. Yeah, no, it was, it was absolutely a blast. And I mean, I, I, like, obviously, I hope I hope Bill's back as soon as possible and, and mm -hmm. is right back in that chair. But I was happy to fill in for the one night. And, and I've been, you know, you're right, it's, it is a career highlight. I've been lucky to have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of highlights in my career. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know where I rank that one, but it's, it's certainly up there. It's going to be hard to, to top the championship. I mean, yeah, okay. having, <laughs> having a chance to call game six of the finals and to know that your voice is at least a tiny little piece of history there, you know, calling that uh, championship victory in that moment. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, there've been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, and I still relish the downs, even with the ups, because it, it makes it makes the ups that much sweeter. And, and, and it makes you cherish those moments that much more when you see a team that I mean, listen, I was I was calling games, broadcasting games when the team was was, you know, 22 and 60 or, or yeah. 20 and 62, let alone, you know, 33 and 49 or whatever. So then when you look at this team, um, you know, prior to last year, having been in the postseason seven, eight straight years and you know, in conference championships, let alone in NBA finals and winning championships, it makes you cherish and relish those moments that much more because you know you've been there almost from day one. I mean, I started covering the team in some capacity, in some way, shape or form in year two yeah. and starting broadcasting, doing pre and post, as I said, since year four. So it's been a long time and you kind of, you know, as much as I'm not on the floor playing the games, you, you still sort of feel like you're, you're, you're a part of it to some extent. So to have seen all of the lows, it makes you really appreciate those highs that much more.
Yeah, I was about to say that there must be a lot of pride in knowing that you were there for the the grunt work right in the beginning, right? And now yeah. to see oh, yeah. it come all the way to the and make it all the way to the top and be there the whole time, that's that's as good as it gets. Yeah, and to think of so many players that have come and gone and 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 you know, whether it be coaches and management and players that as I say that that have come and gone and 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 you think of guys that came in with with high expectations and maybe ultimately didn't live up or other guys that came in with no expectations and suddenly surprised you and uh, you know, even even when the Raptors kind of began this 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 turnaround, this renaissance of that seven, eight straight years in the playoffs that I spoke about, right. it all started, of course, with the Rudy Gay trade that we Absolutely. all thought was, you know, the, the team kind of imploding and, and they were going to be terrible that year. And they caught lightning in a bottle and Gravis Vasquez and Patrick Patterson and, and John Salmons and, and like all yeah. that. It's just it's, it's crazy how it all turned around and how it all trickled from there and and, and snowballed then for almost a decade. So it, it, it truly does make you kind of appreciate it. And it's kind of cool to think back too to like having watched and, and worked games at Skydome then, uh, let alone at, at Maple Leaf <laughs> yeah. Gardens. I mean, I, you know, I've, I, I, one of, one of my, you know, fondest memories, even though there's nothing about the game necessarily that stood out, um, was knowing that as a, as again, as a kid growing up, uh, a, a basketball fan and a huge fan of the Lakers, Magic Johnson was my guy. Uh, mm-hmm. in fact, right behind me is my autograph picture of Magic, you know, yeah, like, his, you I was know, looking at it. Yeah. um, like seeing the Lakers play in Maple Leaf Gardens against the Raptors, like, and I think that was 96, I believe, 95, 96. Um, just cool moments like that. And to, to still be here 20 plus years later and seeing a jam packed Scotiabank Arena, you know, uh, following a year in Tampa and still kind of on the, the, the heels of this pandemic is just, it's, it's wild to think about all the stuff that you've seen over the course of, you know, 25 years basically. Well, just talking about the evolution of the organization as a whole, really, and and we talk about that Rudy Gay trade where it really kind of turned the narrative for the Raptors that year. Uh, But you also mentioned even before where there wasn't the mindset really was that this was a flash in the pan. Where do you think that pinnacle um, that that kind of flipped the organization around was that the arrival of Vince Carter? I think it was because I don't know if you guys would agree, but I've said many times that, um, you know, it's... I don't know if it's fair to draw the comparisons to, to what I said about myself and my career and it's kind of right moment, right time, lightning in a bottle and, and, and just kind of capitalizing on, on a, a, you know, a certain element of luck and hopefully combined with skill. Mm-hmm. I would say that you could use that same analogy with the Toronto Raptors and Vince Carter. What happens if the Vancouver Grizzlies drafted Vince Carter? Do you think or that we stick with Vancouver, Jameson? You know, Vancouver's probably still got a team, don't you think? Like, I'm not saying that the Raptors yeah. would have left because I think the Raptors had more stable ownership. But the Raptors were going through the exact same thing the Grizzlies were going through in terms of the recession and this, what was it at the time? I think like a 64 cent dollar. Uh, I mean, oh, right. the finances yeah. were brutal. And, and that was what was ravaging the, the Grizzlies more than anything else is, I mean, you got a 64 cent dollar trying to go through a recession without a star player. They were still getting decent crowds at, you know, 12, 13, 14,000 people, but they weren't selling out 20,000 like they were in Toronto because they had a superstar in the making, one of the poster boys of the NBA. In Vince Carter. And I truly believe that if you had flipped the situations, again, I don't know that the Raptors would have gone to Memphis. I think Toronto, because of their ownership, would have still stayed. But I believe that a star like Vince could have and would have saved the Vancouver Grizzlies and that team never would have left. So um, when that happened and you started seeing now, and this is remember, we're talking a team less than 10 years in the league. And now they're they have Again, I'm talking to, to, to maybe folks that were around at that time. And of if course. you weren't around, I, I can tell you flat out, say what you will about Vince Carter. I still have been a, a fan of his as a, as a person, let alone as a player. 
I still think he's, you know, should have his rafter, his jersey hanging on the rafters one day in Toronto. I think he's a thousand percent a Hall of Famer, an absolute no-brainer that he'll be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also, for a time, might have only lasted a few years, he was arguably, if not the number one guy, certainly top three, top five in the league in terms of superstar oh. marketing around this guy. He was as big as it gets. You think about LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, all the guys over the last 5, 10, 15 years in this league. Steph Curry, Vince Carter was it. And to know that that guy's on your team in your city, that certainly, you know, brought that, 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 that star power, that cachet, that clout that, um, helped put Toronto, the Raptors, I should say, the Raptors specifically Mm -hmm. on the Toronto map and on the Canada map and on the global map. And that gave the team a little bit more juice. To, to sort of flex its muscles in that sports world along with the Leafs and the Jays and everybody else to say, this isn't just a fringe thing. We are here to stay. This is something that needs to be taken seriously. And then when you, you add not just the star, but certain playoff appearances and, and veteran players coming in a Charles Oakley and a Dell Curry and suddenly name guys that are coming to join Antonio the Davis. Yeah, it, absolutely. Was... Absolutely. It, it, it made such a difference. And, and I think that's what was, uh, you know, uh, allowed the Raptors to, ride that wave that lasted almost as long in the next six, seven years that came when they were bad in the, in the wake of, you know, Vince's departure, they were bad for a long time and we had to wait damn near a decade for them to be good again. And then ride that wave, as I said, that we've been on for, for almost a decade again. So it's, it's kind of, it's done that, 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 that sort of peaks and valleys. And I think Vince was the one that was responsible for starting a lot of that and establishing and stabilizing a lot of that. And certainly for, establishing the passion for the sport that we saw. And I know this is a, 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 you know, not earth shattering. You've heard this narrative before, but it's absolutely the true with the, uh, you know, the popularity and the passion for the sport that we now see in uh, so many Canadians in the NBA. Uh, They grew up on a generation of basketball that, that, you know, maybe we all didn't have because Canada didn't have a team or Toronto didn't have a team, but kids grew up watching Vince and suddenly it's, it's no surprise that there was Tristan Thompson and, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Olynyk, and let alone now Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis Alexander, and yada yada yada. The list goes on. So that to me all stems back from Vince Carter and the Raptors' popularity and basketball becoming mainstream in this country. Absolutely, and it just seems now that it's a wave that sort of peaked, and that there's not going to be any sort of walls moving forward. So, um, just even with your time spent like with with the Raptors and and in the NBA, there's there's got to be some cool experiences with some of the players, whether they've been on the Raptors past or or present. Even um, what are some what are some of the the cooler experiences that you've had with players and and be able to develop some some sort of a relationship? I mean, there there are a ton I could tell you about, but the the one that stands out maybe more than any, my first year mm-hmm. broadcasting with Jonesy. So I was again covering the league now for damn near a decade, but um, yeah. wasn't traveling. I was doing all the work from home, doing pre app and post. But on the very first year with Jonesy broadcasting, uh, it was January. It was Los Angeles again. Laker fan as a kid growing up, the Showtime Lakers being my team and whatever else. And here I am sitting on the court courtside in los angeles maybe 12 feet to the left of the lakers bench as kobe bryant scores 81 points against the raptors oh, so i mean to to, to to have that i mean it's obviously on the wrong side if you're a yeah, yeah yeah no but it's but history. listen to be able to call that game um and 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 i'm telling you to be there like i say 10 12 feet from the lakers bench when kobe was checking into the game uh jonesy and i'm paraphrasing here but but Jones even was busting my my chops on the air because 
the, you know, the little, you see sometimes, remember LeBron does the whole, like the rosin and, and does the big, you know, puff of smoke and whatever, or at least he yeah. used to. Well, a lot of times, you know, you think about the rosin bag in baseball, but it's the same thing in, in basketball, but it's almost just like a little container, like uh, like baby powder. So the guys will put a little in their hands and just to, you know, get a little, get a little more sticky for their, for the hands when they're handling the ball. So mm-hmm. Kobe, the rosin thing is like right in front of us, literally like my, my laptops here and, and, and boom, the rosin thing's right there. So every time Kobe's checking into the game, he comes over, boom, boom, boom. And he's like a foot from me. And Jonesy at one point on the broadcast, he, he said, he said something to the effect of he's like, you know, folks, if you could see it right now, Eric Smith's trying to just like dip himself in the pixie dust of Kobe Bryant. Cause it's just like, <laughs> like it's, it's all falling all over my computer. And I'm just like wide eyed and giddy that like, holy crap, Kobe's yeah. here. And, and, you know, Jones and I threw at the broadcast, like he's got 40, he's going to go for 50. And I remember in the third quarter when he had 60 and I, uh, Jonesy said to me, he's like, I think he's, he, he's going to hit 70. I said, damn, he might end up getting 80 at this point. And sure enough, 81 points. Wow. Um, and as much as I pointed to that that autograph picture of magic behind me, mm-hmm. that was something my wife purchased for me years ago. So I have in 20 plus years, I haven't asked for more than I want to make sure I'm not lying here, more than two <laughs> or three autographs. And the reason I say two or three is because two come from one guy. And listen, I will say unabashedly, whether I'm breaking journalistic rules here or whatever. I was not passing up this opportunity. No. So Hell Jonesy, no. uh, Jonesy through his brother, Mark Jones, who works with ABC ESPN. Mark Jones got to know, uh, this guy named Nico Harris. Nico used to work for Nike. Nico is now the general manager of the Dallas Mavericks. So Nico yes. and Kobe were like this, like Nico was Kobe's Nike guy. And when the, the, uh, when the city of Toronto and the Raptors were awarded, uh, the all-star game back in 2015. Right. And that being Kobe's swan song and, and whatnot. Um, Jonesy had a chance to, through his brother, talk to Nico and Nico said, Hey, I heard that you guys like, uh, called Kobe's 81 or whatever. And Jonesy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, your brother remark was telling me something about like, what, what, what is it you were looking for? And Jonesy said, well, listen, my broadcast partner and I, if there's any chance that like Kobe would be willing to like sign the, the box score. Like, I mean, that would be amazing. So at the all-star game, we had Kobe off to the side in the back bowels of the arena for like five minutes. And he came over and said hi to Jonesy and I, we were chatting for a couple of minutes with Kobe and he, uh, so we brought the box score Mm -hmm. and he actually signed the box score and he put Kobe 24. And I looked at him. I was like, man, that's awesome. I said, but not for nothing. You were wearing number eight at the time. That's when you were still wearing number eight with the Lakers, not 24. He's like, oh, crap, man. Like, so I actually, I had, I had another copy of the box score. Luckily, I had brought a couple. Yeah. And, and so he signed another one, Kobe 8. And he's like, I'm just not used to it. I haven't worn eight in so long, whatever. So it's, that's why I said to you when I was thinking about the autographs, two or three, because technically speaking, I've got the two from Kobe. I guess one's, <laughs> one's kind of like a real rarity in that it's Kobe 24. But I don't know how many people can say that they've got Kobe's box score, his 81 point performance autographed. I mean, that's, so that's, that's like, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but oh, that definitely moments, does. But like, uh, it's, for that's, sure. that's, that's certainly a moment that stands out for me. And, and, and listen, not to, to keep on the, on the Kobe path and, and not mm-hmm. to get, you know, too somber or whatever, but, no. um, I was, I was working the television broadcast on the day that, that Kobe passed as well. So I was hosting 
uh, the, 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 the sports net television pregame and halftime show and working sidelines for that broadcast. And, uh, we were in San Antonio that day and, and, you know, I can remember, you know, clearly you just, you wake up like it's any other game day and, and not anticipating mm-hmm. anything. You're just getting set for a Raptors Spurs, whatever the hell game it was game, you know, 45 or game, whatever, 48 of the season. Yeah. And we got to the January, arena and yeah. I'm talking to the producer and we're getting all set for pregame and everything's going fine. And and then uh, it was about five minutes before Nick nurse's pregame availability. And we were in one of the back hallways, just outside the, the Raptors locker room in San Antonio. And one of the Spurs uh, writers kind of was looking at his phone and there was maybe like six or seven of us around San Antonio and Toronto media, whatnot. And, and, and he looked at his phone, he goes, this TMZ saying Kobe Bryant died. And we all like everybody like what? And it's yep. like, yeah, this, I don't saying like Kobe Bryant died in a, in a helicopter crash. And first thing I did was open up my phone and I just, I didn't even Google Kobe. I just Googled Los Angeles helicopter crash. Cause I figured Let's first of all find out if there was a crash. Because right away, if you know there's a crash, now it's a matter of just trying to confirm who was or wasn't on the helicopter. Right. But let's just find out first of all if this story is even close to being legit. And right away, like ABC, a, you know, uh, CBS, Fox, NBC, all the LA affiliates, like you know, mm-hmm. helicopter crash, helicopter crash, crash in the hill, blah 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 blah. So you knew right away the story was legit. But it's just a matter of you know, is the Kobe element to it uh, confirmed? And we didn't even ask Nick about it because we didn't want to put him on the spot having to talk about or comment on something before it was truly confirmed by sources. And by the time it got confirmed and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the top basketball guys that ultimately confirmed things beyond TMZ, to their credit, having the story correct from the get-go, Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham mm-hmm. Sharania and, and, and Mark Stein and all the top guys, once they had said yes, 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 and, and we knew that it was official... It was maybe 10 minutes, probably less than 10 minutes before we went to air. So rip up the script. Obviously, we're not talking Spurs and Raptors anymore. We're now doing a tribute to Kobe Bryant and breaking the news to the audience that uh, Kobe Bryant has died, as is his daughter and, and, and all the people that, that, that perished in that terrible crash as well. And you just, it's like you're now ad libbing, improving. Uh, working off, you know, off the seat of your pants for the next 30 minutes. And, and, um, like it was, you know, it was, it was emotional. It was exhausting. It was draining, but it was, it was still uh, a moment that you, um, you know, that, that you'll always remember because of, you know, the, the, just the, the gravity of the, the moment, and the situation. And, and I'll tell you again, not to, not to get, keep bringing this down here, no, no, but no, no, one no. of my, one of my top moments as well isn't even involving NBA and broadcasting Raptor games or NBA games, but it was back when I was, uh, hosting the evening show on the fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on the air for three or four years working with Bill Hayes doing the seven to 11 shift. And I was still covering the team at the time, but on off nights when there was no games, I was doing this, this evening show and we were on the air the night of September 11th. So, you know, the, about, I don't know, eight, 10 hours after the, after the crashes and after the towers came down there, we yeah. were on the air that night and uh, spoke to one of the survivors from tower number two on the air that night. And, and just kind of a sports station becoming a news station or at least a human interest station. And, talking about the events of that day. And then we spoke about it for at least a week, if not two weeks after the fact and getting into conversations with people about, about, 
you know, are we on the, you know, on the verge of a of World War Three? You know, will there be a draft? Uh, you know, would they ever bring a draft to Canada? And, mm-hmm. and, and are we going to be at war? And 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 what are your feelings on on what happened and the, the the Middle East? And I mean, it was suddenly again, it's all it's all news stuff and sports taking a backseat. And moments like that are just as memorable again because of just the the history and the gravity of the situations and, and the moments that you're sort of thrust into. Yeah, absolutely. Just even like events and and yeah. people that just leave their mark on on history. Really, I mean, you look at Kobe; he's just such a generational player. But you talk about Vince Carter and and what he brought to Toronto. But Kobe has that effect on the entire NBA as well. So, yeah. uh, just definitely, just some some moments that will forever leave their mark in history. Um, but speaking speaking of uh, you know history and and what the Raptors are, are doing here, um, I mean, like it's it, it, they're off to a little bit of a slow start. But we'd we'd love to get some of your takes on uh, what's going on this season right now with the Raptors um I, you know, I know like Bird and I talk a lot about it um he's more of a Pistons fan over here um but we'd love to hear some of your takes and some of your um some of your inputs on you know what this season kind of has to hold for this new look Raptors well I, first of all you know he can't say anything right now if he's a Pistons fan so uh you know, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> he's taking just as many lumps early in the season that that yeah. said I mean with Cade Cunningham getting healthy that'll certainly help a lot but I, I still think that you you know might be destined for another top three top five pick so in another three to five years, maybe the Pistons will be running roughshod because they've stockpiled with all this talent. I hope so. It's been it's been over a decade since we had our our uh, glory days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I tell you, I was I was there when Detroit had those, you know, however many hundreds of consecutive sellouts and and Mason screaming into the mic there, PA voice and doing all his crazy intros and and yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, obviously the bad boy Pistons were great, but to to think of the era with the you know, with Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and Tayshaun kind of Prince. Bad Boys 2.0. Exactly. I mean, they were they were what they a were team. a lot of fun, and Detroit was a hell of a crowd too, and 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 crazy. Um, so it was a, it was always fun to go to the Palace. I, the, listen, the arena downtown now too, the new Little Caesar Arena, I think is fabulous. Um, and 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 I, I I think once once they're actually cheering in that arena for the Pistons and not for the Raptors <laughs> or for the opposition, it'll be even better. Yeah, um, no kidding. I think Toronto. Listen, there's no doubt. Slow start. I didn't anticipate one and three, but but to be fair, uh, I don't know. Did we think they'd be three and one at this point? Like, yeah, okay, home games and and five out of six to start the season at home. But you probably thought like, okay, maybe opening night against Washington's a gimme. You're probably going to lose in Boston. Well, they flipped it. They got blown out at home, and then they end up winning in Boston. And then you've got two, one against the Bulls and one against the Mavericks. So you're facing a superstar in Luka. Uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and a solid team in Dallas. And then you've got an, an undefeated Bulls team coming to town. Maybe you'd, you'd, you'd at best think you split those. So listen, I'm not going to sweat one and three versus two and two. Uh, no, as course. much as you'd love to be three and one or four and oh, that probably wasn't realistic as you sort of play it out on paper. I think that they've got a great chance to win tonight against Indiana and certainly a very good chance to win on Friday against Orlando. If you could kind of get through this opening six at three and three, uh, that would be solid to me uh, overall because I think this is what this team is going to be at this year a team that hovers somewhere around that 500 mark at least that's what I thought going in um I believe Vegas had them at 35 or 36 and I said over um I think that they're a team I that should over, absolutely yeah. be in the hunt for the playoffs and the reason I say that of course is is now with the new format you you're basically looking at 7 to 10 right I mean mm-hmm. you can even be aiming for 11 and and hope that you're there right down to the final couple of days and 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 leapfrog somebody to get into that 10 spot. So the fact that you've got that, that playing tournament now, uh, and adding those two extra spots that, that kind of give you that wiggle room to still be in those conversations. 
Yeah. I think there's every reason to think that the Raptors could be there because I think that they're going to be a hard out on a lot of nights. Um, so far, what we've seen is I think they've been okay defensively, not as good as they're going to need to be and not as good as I think they will be. And I think they've struggled offensively. And I think part of that is the absence of, of Lowry, as good as Van Vliet has been. And mm-hmm. I think part of that, too, is looking at new starting lineup. You've got Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes in there. You still don't have Siakam back. You're trying to figure out a rotation if you're Nick Nurse. You're trying to, to, to get guys into spots that, uh, you know, that, that maybe they're not as comfortable with or familiar with. You know, last year you were starting Ken Birch. Now he's coming off the bench, but he missed the entire preseason with COVID. You know, Boucher hasn't played well yet. He missed the entire preseason with the dislocated uh, finger as well and the surgery that he had. So there's just a lot of stuff going on right now that I yeah. think that it will eventually settle and this team will find its mark. You just hope clearly that they don't bury themselves too far too early because of this time that it's taking their lumps. Like if they were to lose tonight, God forbid if they were to lose Friday as well, and suddenly you're one and five. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, your, your season's not over at one and five, but you don't want to be getting too far, you know, below that line early in the season where you got to really be digging and digging and digging all year just to climb out. So I think it's important to kind of really focus on, on these next couple of games. And like I say, stay as close as you can to that 500 mark so that you don't bury yourself early. Do you think part of it might be just facing those jitters of being back at home and actually playing in front of your own home crowd and, and in your own home arena? Um, I, honestly, I don't think so. It, it's possible. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but I, you know, the only guys on that team that are used to it um, would be, what, Ananobi, Van Vliet, and, and, and Boucher. I mean, Jack is not playing yet. Yeah. Uh, so, so to your point, it's, it's new to everybody, but how many guys have played though in front of home crowds and opposing crowds and been in the league? Yeah. There's a lot of youth and inexperience, but at the same time, I would hope that even after one season, albeit during the pandemic, that precious Achua is used to a crowd and, and, um, you know, Goran Dragic isn't phased by it or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, I don't know if that's really part of it. Uh, I think again, it just comes down to, uh, perhaps more so the the level of competition. Uh, opening night is always tough. I think just there's a lot of emotion for that game specifically. Of course, but I would also say Washington. You know, a lot of people are picking them to be a postseason team this year, and and they did a lot of work to you know reshape the roster. And then again, you got Luca coming to town and and an undefeated Chicago team. So the the opponents haven't been cream puffed by any means. So I think mm-hmm. that the, you know it's it's been it's been as much the the opposing team as it has been any any vibe or or or, or juice that's coming from the crowd that, you know, being jacked up. I don't, I don't know that I could say that that's the, the, the biggest factor. Fair enough. Um, how about our, our rookie, Scotty Barnes, uh, our, our producer and uh, bird and I, we, uh, we talk a lot about Scotty. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you just a quick, as, as a quick aside to Scotty, uh, and this may or may not mean anything to you guys, but I, I, I like to look at people as well, not just players. And what impressed me right off the get-go from him is, I mean, from from the outside, we all saw it on draft night. I wasn't there, so I was watching at home just like you guys were, mm-hmm. seeing the excitement and the exuberance he had for not just being drafted, <laughs> but seemingly being drafted by Toronto and really being excited about that. That's not something we've seen a ton in history, so that alone gave me positive feelings about him. Um, during training camp, uh, Nick Nurse, uh, other coaches in the past have done this too, but Nick has really been good about allowing the team broadcasters to come in for a day or two to watch camp to kind of get a chance to sort of see behind the curtain and, and, and oh, get a chance to look at these guys closer. So, you know, myself, Jack, Matt, Jonesy, Sherm, Leo, whatever, we, we had a chance to go in. And the day that I was in watching, uh, I was on the sidelines talking with Jack. And it was towards the end of uh, the training camp session that day. So, it's, again, I, not like I was hanging out with Nick or or – 
or Maasai or something like that. It was just Jack and I. And Scotty Barnes comes over. He had no clue who either one of us was. And he walked over. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Scotty Barnes. And put out his hand. And I'm like, oh, hey, Scotty, uh, you know, Eric Smith and Jack. We're a couple of broadcasters. But he's the one that went out of his way to make the introduction. Just two dudes on the sideline. No clue who we were. We could have been scouts or coaches or friends of Nick. He had no idea. The fact that he took time out of his day to walk over and introduce himself, that there right then said something to me about the kind of person he is and the character that he has. Then you mm-hmm. see it translate onto the court. So putting all that stuff aside, like, yeah, nice guy, but he's a terrible player. No, he's a hell of a player. And, and, and he's got all the skills. He's got the multi-tools. He can defend. He can score. He can score inside. He can score outside. I don't know if we've seen the, the outside in terms of outside three-point range yet, but yes. the mid-range game. His handle seems pretty good. He's got to be a better passer, I think. But rebounding, blocking shots, getting hands into pass lanes, you know, guarding Luca one night, Jason Tatum another night, picking up the Rose in the next night. Uh, Nick Nurse after the Bulls game was talking about uh, the ability that he has, that he thinks he has over the course of the season to play Scotty at the point from time to time and let him be this sort of quasi point forward playing the point position. And then in the same sentence saying, or I could throw him at the five and put him up against the center. So when you've got that type of guy that can truly guard every position so versatile. and yeah. his versatility, it's a great word. His versatility is, is, is just off the charts. And I think you combine that with the personality, with the energy that he brings and, and how infectious that will be to the fan base, let alone to guys in the locker room. I think this guy's the real deal. I think he's going to be, you know, fan, I mean, he already is a fan favorite, but I'm talking fan favorite for years to come and, and, and has a chance to be as long as the skill level keeps up with the energy and the passion. I think he's got a chance to be one of the more popular Raptors in franchise history. And that might be going too far a week into the season, a week into his career. But I think he's got all the tools on and off the court to be that type of guy. Absolutely. Um, Bert, I I mean, we were we were chatting about this just before the show. I don't know. It seems like Nick is giving Scotty like every opportunity to succeed this year. Um, when Pascal comes back, do you see Scotty's role kind of changing a little bit? Is there going to be reduced minutes or anything like that? Or are they just going to keep rolling forward and giving him the reins, so to speak? I, I'm trying to figure that out myself, to be honest with you. I, I, I think that um, the, the best answer to your question, I think, is, is I think Scotty will still have a very important role, and I don't think it'll be scaled back much. I think the bigger question then is, what do you do with the starting lineup? And would Scotty be now be coming off the bench or is he going to stay in that starting five? Um, but either way, whether he's a sixth man, whether he's a starter, I think he's still going to have a very important role and, and play a key role. I'm trying to figure it out myself, guys. I, I look at it and say, uh, I like Gary Trent as a starter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, another guy that defends pretty well, but has proven to be a pretty solid shooter for this team going back to last season and definitely so far this year. So you look at Van Vliet and, and, and uh and and Trent in the backcourt then up front right now currently you know going with Achua and OG and Barnes could you replace Achua with Pascal and play small and just know going back to what I just said about Scotty Barnes even guarding fives from time to time there's going to be certain matchups with bruising centers or with bigger power forwards that you're going to be a mismatch but I always think that if you're a mismatch on one end well it might be the script flipped on the other end where you're longer or more athletic or you can use your size or lack thereof to your advantage by trying to expose maybe some of these bigger guys that aren't as quick or don't match the same athleticism, et cetera. So to me, the, it, it's kind of the, the two sides of the coin. Would Nurse consider going Siakam, Barnes, Ananobi, uh, along with Van Vliet and Trent in the backcourt? Or could you put 
OG in the backcourt with mm-hmm. Fred and have Precious up front with Scotty Barnes and Siakam. And now Trent's coming off the bench because we've seen also too the second unit only four games in, but the second unit has struggled to score. So might that extra boost offensively from a guy like Trent actually help? So I think you've got options, options that exist that involve Barnes still being in that starting five and thus still having an important role. I think to, to, to your point though about Scotty and just that, that role going forward with Siakam, I think Barnes will have to figure out as he goes here, like every rookie goes through this, but he'll have to figure out, you know, what his role is as we go in the sense that just because Pascal's there or just because right now you're with OG and Fred doesn't mean you should be moving the ball all the time or playing sort of a a subservient role, man. If you've got the shot, take the shot. If you've got a gap in the lane, attack and go at the rim. Don't think that just because you're the rook, you've got to give it up or, or, you know, you've got to feed the other guys and just play your role and, and kind of stay in the shadows. No, man, be aggressive and look for your spots and know that if you're on this team, you belong just as much as anybody else and 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 play with that type of confidence. And I think that's going to be uh, important for Scotty and thus for the team moving forward. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. And and last but not least, uh, Fred Van Vliet, obviously stepping into a much bigger role now that, you know, with the absence of, of Kyle Lowry. Um, do you see him as kind of like the 1A, 1B maybe with Pascal Siakam or is his role even more than that? I, I think I think he's the one A in the sense that he's the true leader of this team, and that's that's not to take anything away from Pascal or OG or anybody else, but I, I think he's the vocal leader. Uh, I think he's 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 the the extension of the coach on the floor, not just because of the point guard position specifically, but just the the mm-hmm. the, the mentality that he has, the approach that he has to the game. Uh, I mean, I could sit here and do an hour on Fred VanVleet of what I think about him as a person, let alone as a player. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be important for him though uh, to. Um, you know, be able to carry the load offensively at times, but at the same time, know that he doesn't have, uh, Kyle Lowry beside him. So those gaps and those open looks that he maybe saw last year because Kyle Lowry was attracting attention. It's been a little bit more difficult for Fred. We've seen already now in four games, it's been more difficult getting to the rim and, and, and attacking at times. We've seen him miss a couple of layups. And I'll tell you the other thing too, getting in sync and finding that synergy with his bigs. You're not throwing that ball up to, you know, Serge Ibaka any longer. He's been gone mm-hmm. for, for over a season now. You're not giving it up to Mark Gasol or, or at least for now, Pascal Siakam's not there. So we've seen, and I'm not putting it all in Fred, but the, mm-hmm. the, the mistiming or the miscommunication or just the lack of kind of chemistry and cohesion right now with Precious Achua when he's trying to throw it up above the rim. And, and we've seen already, I'd say five, six, seven, you know, missed alley-oops. Missed and alley-oops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. I think that will come in time. And that's just to me reps and it's reps with, with Fred and precious and others. And, and I think it will come, but it, it certainly puts more on Fred's plate to have to be that guy and to, to know that, you know, he's responsible for taking care of his game, but taking mm-hmm. care of everybody else's game and also being the man that's going to step up to the microphone after the game, win or lose. And to be that guy in the community that everybody's looking to and to be in Nick nurse's ear. It's like, it's, it's, it's a lot, but you know what, with, with, uh, you know, great money, comes great responsibility and I, I, I think uh, I think he's up for the task absolutely mm-hmm. I mean like you already see it starting to work I mean he dropped what 17 dimes the other night so you see that they're that he's you know starting to find more cohesion with that with that team um, it's just gonna be a matter of time I find yeah and he well and to his credit what you know in, in typical pro fashion the way Fred is he didn't even want to really talk too much about the career high 17 assists as much as he said yeah right. but he also had eight turnovers so yeah. that's basically two to one and that's terrible which yeah, it is. If, if over the course of the year you, you had a two to one ratio on assist to turnover, that's not good. Um, so it, it, again, it'll come. 
uh, I have I have all the faith that it'll come for Fred and 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 it's you know like I say I I, I said it a few minutes ago I hope uh, for the fans' sake let alone for the team's sake that um, you know they can start getting a couple more wins here and 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 kind of not bury themselves too much because I don't want to see the panic set in of suddenly the team's you know two and eight or something and going on a five game West Coast trip and you know you you, you want to still be there early and fighting early so that. You know, all hope isn't lost or you got to, you know, bank on a, a seven, eight game winning streak or some, something like that. I, you know, I, I think it, it will come for the team. Yeah, really it becomes do. such an emotional grind. Yeah, I yeah. so early, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One more time. That is uh, Toronto Raptors play by play and sideline reporter sports on Eric Smith on the show. Eric, any final thoughts uh, that you want to leave us, you know, go, as we uh, progress with this season, this very early NBA season? I would just say stay, stick with it. I, I really would because uh, I think it's kind of bizarre a world for the Raptors being uh, back home with a new team with with only a couple of players carried over with a and whole a lot of tougher new faces Eastern and Conference as well. But you know, I, I I think this team will like I say, I, you know, call call me back in another few months and and tell me if I was dead dead wrong. But I truly <laughs> believe that they are a team that should be you know scratching and clawing with the rest of. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what a handful of probably five, six teams in the East. Okay, when you factor in, I'll, I'll say this, when you factor in the, the, the whole Kyrie Irving issue, um, mm-hmm. even with that, Kevin Durant, James Harden and all the rest in Brooklyn, um, there's issues in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. Boston is good, but maybe not as great as they once were. Milwaukee's the defending champs. Miami certainly has got a solid team. You start looking at at the East and go, okay, there's there's four or five very good teams, but is there one that's great? Is there one that's truly a lead dog? Because even the ones that I say that are lead dogs, they've all got something kind of going on outside of maybe Milwaukee. But then, all right, they lost PJ Tucker, and and okay, they still have Giannis, they still got Chris Middleton. But you know what I'm saying? There's something kind of around each team. But when you look at that next tier of the next say five six teams. I'm not sure that there's a ton of separation. I don't think the Raptors are in the bottom five, but are they somewhere in that range? I don't know that I could see them as a fifth seed, but could I see them as a sixth, a seventh, an eighth? Could I absolutely see them in a nine, 10 battling and scratching and clawing and trying to get that final playoff seed? Yes. So to me, if they're going to be in it, then realize that unless you, and I'd speak to the three of you, let alone all your audience or anybody that ends up seeing this, if, if all of us, I think would acknowledge, I think, that the Raptors are probably not a 50, 55, 60 win team. Well, then what does that mean? That means that they're probably like a 45, 42, somewhere around 500. Definitely not 35. I think a little bit higher than that. We're going to be taking the over on that too. Maybe, right? (laughs) But if that's the case, then you know what? They're going to lose a bunch of games. So over the course of the year, don't be flipping out then if they're one and three or if they end up being four and six or they're four games below 500, but then they have a five-game win streak. Because this is the way it's going to be. I mean, if you figure they're going to win 38, 40, 42 games, well, that means they're going to lose about 40 games. So be realistic then about uh, your reactions to what you yourself expected or anticipated it all looking like by the time April rolls around. So don't get caught up in in the moments of just one game. Look at it as a whole and hope that when the dust settles, you're, you're truly still fighting for one of those spots come springtime. Yeah, you gotta hope you're just seeing growth throughout yeah. the year, right? Mm-hmm. You can't it's, just, it's you can't just look experience. at the box score. You gotta see, you gotta tune in, and you gotta see the growth. And I think yep. you'll see that this Absolutely. time when it comes springtime. You're, you're bang on with that. You're bang on with that. And the tough thing is, though, again, because you've been such a good team for damn near a decade, I think 
the instant gratification that we all feel in in our personal and professional lives and as fans and everything else is like no no but we want it now we we, we don't want to wait a year or another three we we, we just had the championship that's, that, that's the crazy thing too by the time this season ends and next summer rolls around it'll have been three years since the raptors won the championship like right. that to me it seems like it was time last flies. season you know like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. time yeah. has flown man so mm-hmm. it, it 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 will it will take a little time maybe to get back to that uh to that position but i think that the raptors are on the right path with the way that they've uh built this team the way they've drafted with barnes and 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 i, I you know i think that they're headed in the right direction Absolutely. Definitely an exciting team with a ton of synergy and just, uh, you know, it's it's going to be really fun to watch them this season. Uh, one more time, uh, Sportsnet, Eric Smith on the show. Eric, it was an absolute pleasure having you and, and hope to have you back on the show. I, I know your schedule is super busy, but uh, we really enjoyed having you today. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. And that does it. That is episode 17 of the Down by Two podcast with Eric Smith. Again, what a treat having him on the show. Uh, a lot of a lot of insights, a lot of perspectives. Uh, you know, got to chat a lot about Scotty Barnes too. I've uh, got to say, man, loving our boy Scotty, loving that number four pick. Um, I mean, hey, like they have him, they have him up there with Evan Mobley right now, looking like one of the rookie of the year top front runners. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, I smell ya. you. And smell I, that? I'll always remember watching the draft that night and be like, why the fuck wasn't it Suggs? And Bird and was the first Suggs one to doing? say, like, huh? I love, uh, I remember you were like, I like Scotty Barnes, boys. I like that pick. Yeah. Don't like be him. too upset. You, Baby you Giannis. Really did, you really did uh, talk me off the ledge. Baby Giannis, hey. That's that's what you're going to go with. I mean, like, no, that's, whoa, it's, that's what the internet's going with, not me. Yeah. Just, wow. yeah I mean, Trying to get the boys hard here. <laughs> it's it is like we're not quite at the halfway point even of the season, but I can I can see where you're coming with that. I mean, none of them you have see the, flashes they don't really have. A, you see definitely see flashes of it. It's yeah. just, man, I'm just I'm impressed by his defense. There needs to be a, sometimes a little bit more hustle. Like sometimes you you see him. You know, like just jaunt back a little bit as opposed to like fully coming down for those chase downs. Like that, that will just, that'll come though. Like the effort mm-hmm. is there. He's, he's building on a lot. Um, yeah, I definitely like him. I oh, mean, I really fucking like Mobley though. I gotta say, like oh, if he looks nice, if Mobley, dude. if Mobley happened to drop to us in the draft, I would have, I would have been very happy with that. I don't think Either I've ever seen though. a guy so like tall and lanky, but be so smooth. Maybe Kevin Durant, but he's not. I think Evan Mobley's like seven foot or something. Man, Chris Bosh is pretty smooth like that too. I see flashes of Chris Bosh, and I mean, like, like back in back in the day, man, Chris Bosh was a solid fucking player. So I mean, like, definitely smooth as well. He's got a good, he's got a good jump shot. But man, he blocks like he's he gets you blocks on a day to day basis. Out for a few weeks though, so hopefully uh, he gets back to a speedy recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Scotty Barnes, you know, and it's just, I mean, like. All in all, I'm I'm I, I'm more ha- I'm happier with Scotty Barnes than having someone like Evan Mobley. It just seems like Scotty Barnes is just so much more of a firecracker on on the squad, you know, and just gets everyone involved. And is definitely a team player, and is just so likable as well. Which you, love that energy. You gotta yeah, love the that personality energy, like is unmatched. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we sign off, we gotta touch. We gotta touch on. Uh, the, uh, the the potential brawl between the Morris Bros and the Joker Bros. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch that play Couple did you jokers. see that whole play go down yeah with the joker um i loved it yeah you know what i didn't hate it 
because yeah. they fucking hate the Morrises and yeah. like they're so yo, annoying. Was, it, they're oh, so annoying, them. man. And like that was that was a shitty shot from Marqueef or Mark yeah. or whatever the fuck that one was. Marqueef. Marqueef. <laughs> And like it was a cheap shot, and so Jokic is like, "Fuck you!" And yeah, just yeah. Shot, gave him yeah, that the old forearm, shoulder too, shiver. But... It was, yeah. But he really gave yeah, him that full him. bag of milk right into yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. man, I laughed when I saw it too, and then the and then the the brothers, the brothers creating the Twitter account and getting involved. Oh, Yo, dude, the, that's the, the best part. The Jokic brothers must be gangsters. Oh, like man. I think they're fucking. They look. They look lands. like they've seen a couple brawls. In their day. Yeah. Oh man, yeah they they look they they look nasty. They they, they probably want to beat the them. shit out of uh, Jokic back when they were they were kids. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> For sure. They uh, man they they spook me. Yeah. Um, He's like that nerdy little brother, you know? Yeah, it's like Serbia's answer to fucking Chris Anderson. <laughs> you know, with the bird, <laughs> the bird, like they're just covered in tattoos and bald, and it's just like this is freaking looking. Um, wouldn't want to fuck with them. But yo, if that happens to be some somewhat of a cage match, um, I heard that they bought tickets to the game in uh, in Miami. They're coming yeah. down to the Miami game when Denver is in in, in South Beach. So. Love you it. gotta gotta circle that on your calendar. Check that out. Um, who would you take though? Would you take Would you take the Jokic Bros? Oh, absolutely, dude. They look yeah, like yeah. they've legitimately killed somebody before. Mm-hmm. They're terrifying. Yeah, the Morrises are on the basketball court. The tough, Morrises yeah. the look, bros like, look you know, like they fucking take care of people. Yeah, yeah. No, they they, they are tough when the refs get involved. You know, or security comes down. It's like all right, <laughs> like come on. I don't now. know why the Morrises bug me so much. Is because I feel like. They think they're so much better than they are. Yeah. They thought the that one they, is so overpaid. Makes yo, me yeah. sick. They thought they ran the show in Phoenix and that everything should have been revolving around them back in the day. And uh I heard I heard that they like um the same sort of thing. Like one of them said something to a fan that was chirping them on Twitter, and then he's like, All right, noted or whatever. Same sort of response that he just said to the Jokic bros. And uh five years down the line they found that fan and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> what? <laughs> This is some shit that I read like in the deep dark web, like when uh, you go down a rabbit hole in the whole in the whole story. But yeah, apparently oh, that's that was me one every thing. night. <laughs> <laughs> but man, like if if that rumor is true, I fucking ugh. That's pretty beat, man. If that's yeah. true, <laughs> fan. More reason to fucking hate him. Oh, man, yeah, I take the Jokic bro. The Chiefs. Yo, speaking of speaking of NBA players fighting, we got our, we got our boy uh, Deron Williams. Uh, is it Duran? It's Duran, isn't it? Darren? It's you Darren? Go Darren or Duran? I think I go Darren. Fighting. I, um, I don't know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not playing ball anymore. Who gives yeah, a fuck? fuck he's fighting. Him. Who's he up against again? That's a good question. Someone well, who next, is it? Someone legit. I, like, I think he's going to get his ass kicked. Is it not a yeah, former NFL it? player? It's a former NFL player. It's fucking... Um, Somebody needs to Google this quick. I'm Googling quick. Here. Oh, man. I was just looking at it, too. It's a notable player as well. Frankie Gore. Oh, yeah. It's- Frankie Gore, three <laughs> knee replacements. Yeah. Like third all time in rushing. Yeah. He's taken so many hits to the dome. He won't even feel anything Darren's hitting him with. <laughs> well, Yo, this guy played like 16 years in the NFL. Yeah. He's a fucking beast. Oh, man. But that was it. Oh, man. Yeah, Gore. <laughs> Gore so Gore's we're going to have that matchup. Boy. And then the Jokic brothers and the Morris twins. Yeah, that was the opening card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, I'd, I'd pay for that for sure. Um, but thanks again for, for listening to this episode of the Down by Two podcast. Jeez. Like, share, subscribe. Sheesh, sheesh, sheesh. Um, yeah, man, just another, ple- another pleasure, uh, sitting down with you guys and, and being able to talk shop. Uh, so make sure you like, share, subscribe and, and let us know, uh, what you think of the show. Uh, we'll try and post some more, uh, Q and A and whatnot. And, uh, we got another fire episode set up for you guys coming up next. Oh, baby. Uh, we- We've got a couple special guests that are going to be joining us for that, so stay tuned. Um, but make sure you stream us on all platforms where you can find us. Uh, other than that, cheers, guys. Have yourselves a great week. Enjoy. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.